1: Sports Radio 92.9, The Game, back at a Chukri show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday night with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, ACC Media Days will be cranking up here next week as the SEC will wrap things up this week, and ACC will be front and center next week. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline at Ford dealer. Let's talk to the new beat writer for Georgia Tech for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, AJC.com, is where you can check out all of his works. Chad Bishop is joining us. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at Bishop. Chad, appreciate the time. Welcome to Atlanta, and uh, congratulations on the uh, new gig as uh, you take over a very historic program in uh, Georgia Tech.
2: Well, thank you, my friend. And, um, you know, you are my first radio interview as the new <laughs> Georgia Tech V-Rider, so the, uh, happy to break some ground on that front. But, no, I'm I'm really excited. I'm a, I'm a Gwinnett County boy, a Snellville guy, grew up in Georgia, uh, so kind of a homecoming for me. And to be able to, to write and work for the AJC is kind of a dream come true. And then to cover a program like Georgia Tech, I mean, the history there, the tradition, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun being an ACC country.
1: And I believe that, am I right on this? I think you've covered Vanderbilt for the last, like, three and a half years. You've, you've been the beat guy for Vanderbilt University.
2: Yeah, really interesting role up there. I covered Vanderbilt for 247 Sports for about 10 months, and they had an opening on their staff. So I actually worked in the communications department of kind of a hybrid role between, like, an SID but also an in-house beat writer, um, you know, like a lot of MLB teams have, like some colleges have. Um, so it was really fun sort of being inside the program and being able to travel around the SEC and cover Vanderbilt, which, you know, in, in my mind is very similar to Georgia Tech in their history.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, obviously, you know, and, and I, I don't say this in a begrudging way or anything like that, but, you know, a lot of, you know, a couple of academic first types of schools. I mean, they have had success in in athletics and obviously Tech's had a lot of success over the years, but but they are you know, there are academic challenges, you know, when you're looking at recruiting and different things like that. So um, I would assume that you probably and, and again, being from Gwinnett County, you probably have some familiarity with what this program has to offer and what some of the challenges are.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, it is you know pretty wild to think that I was at Vanderbilt and got this opportunity to cover Georgia Tech. But because yeah, again, you're talking about academic institutions who are you know held in the highest esteem when it comes to academics, and a lot of the times the fan base you know may roll their eyes or get frustrated thinking that the the school, the university, isn't putting enough time and resources and money into the athletics program. So I you know I saw that firsthand at Vanderbilt. They had to sort of fight that narrative day in and day out. I mean, they still fight it today. Uh, but they're making a lot of improvements, and I think the same can be said about Georgia Tech, right? You know, they have to fight that narrative day in and day out, but I think they've shown a commitment to make some changes to their football facility and their football program and have a new athletic director and some new coaches, you know, and to try to change the fortunes of recent years. So, yeah, it, it's a very, uh, very similar situation between both schools. Uh, we'll see how each, you know, w- which path they go down you know, as the future uh, is upon us.
1: Chad Bishop, the new Georgia Tech beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, joining me here on the waitforward.com hotline. So, as Brent Key is going into his first year, what's kind of the vibe that you get of this program when when you're kind of covering things and and talking to coaches and players and different things? What's kind of the atmosphere and the vibe and the tenor that you're getting from this program right now? Did we lose Chad? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. See? Again, first-time first, first time jitters on uh, on uh, all of that. So, uh, again, we'll uh, effort to uh, get Chip uh, back up here in just a minute. We will talk to our buddy Chris Goforth uh, coming up at the 9 o'clock. Chad, I was uh, asking, as Brett Key goes into his first year here, what's kind of – as you talk to coaches, players, this, that, and the other, what's kind of the vibe and the tenor that you're getting from the Georgia Tech football program? What's kind of the overall feeling – about this team going into this season?
2: I'd say cautious optimism. Um, You know, I've I've covered first-year coaches time and time again, um, and and they're all different. They all come into different situations. Um, You know, some are taking over, you know, bowl champs or conference championships. Some are, you know, starting from maybe below ground zero. And I think with Brent Key having been there last year and going through eight games and then, you know, getting the job late November, full-time, I think there was kind of a, you know, sigh of relief, right? All right, Brent Key's the guy now. Let's continue what we're doing. Let's continue building from the 2022 season. So, you know, this is going to be, you know, technically year one on paper, right? But I don't really see it that way. I see it more of like a year 1.5, right? Like he's, he's got some guys back. He had some success last year. He's been in the building for a long time. He played football there so he can relate to the guys a lot better than maybe some other head coaches. So I think there's some cautious optimism that this isn't, you know, your first-year head coach situation. And if they go three and nine, everybody's going to kind of give them a pass. I think, you know, the bowl game is kind of an expectation for this team to sort of take that next step and sort of rise up the conference standings.
1: Yeah, and Chad, I'm glad you mentioned that because it it does feel like that there has been this lull over the program, and obviously there's not been a lot of success on the football field itself. And they did get themselves to five and seven, but to your point, I, I think that there has to start becoming some expectation that again not winning the coastal per se or winning the acc just yet but certainly getting themselves to a bowl game getting themselves to at least 500 i think doesn't that have to be kind of the minimum expectation about given you know where this program is and just at least taking that first step forward
2: I think so. I mean, you know, why else are you fielding a football team, right? Like why else are you doing it? I mean, if, if you want to, you know, be one of the cream of the crop of the ACC and compete with the Clemsons and the Florida States, well, you know, it's time to start going out there and doing that with a new athletic director and a new coach. So yeah, year one, right. Let's, let's all think, okay, you know, bowl game is a good exp- expectation, maybe a six and six, seven and five. But you know, as, as this moves forward here, we we got to see some progress and we got to see this football program get to that next level and that next tier. To me, there's there's not a lot of excuses for my book. I'm, I always joke about what I call the excuse train. Like, I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anybody making excuses when you see what Northwestern has done in the past and what Stanford has done in the past. I mean, look what Wake Forest has done in the ACC. So, um, you know, th- there should be no excuses, you know, ever really for any program. You should be able to, to figure it out no matter what your limitations are. Um, we're going to say, okay, year one, let's see if they can get to a bowl game. But after that, there's going to have to be some upward mobility and some upward trajectory.
1: You know, when you look at that side of the, uh, of the uh, division in, you know, now, uh, again, with the, SC, with, the, uh, sorry, with the ACC going into non-divisional format now. So, um, again, where do you think that places Tech in the overall scheme of things? Do you think that makes it harder for them in the ACC, or was it better for them to be in a division? I mean, where do you kind of see them in the pecking order of the way the ACC kind of checks out now?
2: Yeah, you I don't, I don't know if it, it makes much of a difference when you talk about divisions. Um, I, if you want to break it down into tiers, right? Maybe they, they start 2023 in that tier three level, right? Fighting for that six and six, that that bowl spot. Um, you know, they're they're probably not on paper going to fight for that ACC championship unless they just really surprise us all. Um, can they get to eight, nine wins? You know, probably not. So you kind of put them down there in that middle of the pack and see if they can sort of. Um, you know, steal a win or two and sneak up to that second tier, point into this year, obviously. Now we need to see what happens uh, moving forward. They've been killing it in recruiting so far, have one of the better recruiting classes that they've probably ever had historically. Um, I know it's early. It's only only uh, July, right? So um, we'll see what the future holds there. But, yeah, I don't think the divisional play is going to make much uh, difference for them as it as it comes to the standings. It's uh, To me, it's, it's, they're in that, that tier three level right now and they got to show they can maybe get to that, uh, tier two, and then sustain it to where they can build and maybe get to that uh, conference championship level type program.
1: And, and, you know, the schedule itself, you know, there's the ACC schedule and then there's everything else because, again, they got to go to Old Miss where they got, you know, they got drubbed on their home field last year by Old Miss, but Old Miss won't be easy, obviously playing Georgia, you know, then at Clemson. But when you look at the rest of the ACC schedule, look, Louisville, Wake Forest, Miami, B.C., Carolina, Virginia. Like, I think there's a lot of winnable games on that schedule, but I will say that they've got to get it done, I think, week one in the bends and, and get themselves off to a good start because if you can't beat Louisville in almost a, a de facto home game, I'm not really sure what the direction of this thing is going to go as far as themselves and the ACC.
2: Well, that's a great point because if, if we talk about being maybe that tier three middle of the pack team, you know, how do you get to that next year? Well, then maybe you, you got to beat these sort of quote-unquote 50-50 toss-up games, right? Mm-hmm. You're, in, you're Louisville's, uh, maybe you're Wake Forest on, on a, you know, rebuilding situation. You got to be Bowling Green at home. Um, can you win at Miami, right? Like you got to, when Boston College comes to town, you know, that's a game you got to win. You got to sort of win these these coin flips, toss-up games, where maybe the matchups are even, or maybe you're even a slight, field goal underdog, and that's how you sort of get over the hump and get to that next level. Clemson, Georgia, Ole Miss on the road, you know, you can put a big L on paper for those at the moment. Uh, But some of these other games, you got to figure out a way to get them and show the fan base, show the alumni, show the boosters that you're going in the right direction, uh, and, and this thing is moving toward bowl games and beyond.
1: What have you heard, seen about Haynes King? I mean, obviously, you know, some anticipation about him coming into the program, coming from Texas A&M, maybe really didn't live up to the hype at A&M. But, again, you get a fresh start here at at Georgia Tech. Is there a lot of buzz surrounding him? Is there a lot of excitement about, you know, potentially him taking over that quarterback spot?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, uh, programs don't sign transfers for the kids to be backups, right? They want them to come in and, and win those starting jobs. I mean, Brent Key was at the Atlanta Touchdown Club. Uh, last week and you know he told the crowd there he he didn't have a starting quarterback yet and he he's not sure if he's going to have one until you know the week of the game Uh, but you know Hayes King is going to come in and battle for that job and I think he's going to add you know some excitement to that quarterback room and maybe he makes all those quarterbacks better by pushing everyone does he win the starting job I don't know do they go with a two quarterback system I'm not a fan of that personally but you know it it rarely works but that could be an, an issue too especially if he wins the starting job that first week and maybe doesn't get it done so uh, we'll see how that plays out in fall camp i, I think it's it's probably been a, a very competitive battle throughout the summer uh, and we'll kind of see on on august 1st when they get there and start putting the pads on and start practicing uh if he's taking the number one reps or if he's trying to fight for that starting job come come the opener
1: the offense uh for georgia tech um you know when we look at it they were they were last in third down conversions. Um, you know they were they were not a very good you know offense overall, passing offense. I think they were last in the ACC. How much of a jump can this team take this year offensively for this football team?
2: I don't know how much they can, but I know they have to, right? I mean, the, the Buster Faulkner and his offensive staff have got to figure out a way to put some points on the score more because I think everybody thinks that defense is going to be pretty competitive and going to be pretty sound. Um, but, you know, Brent Key being a former offensive light lineman and Buster Key being the former offensive prowess he was as a player, they got to figure out a way to, to be inventive, you know, to sort of create an identity, maybe not do the same things that, that everybody else in the world is doing and then try to put the ball in the end zone. I know adding a, a bunch of transfers, you, me- you mentioned Haynes King being one of them, and some high-level recruits on that side of the ball is going to help. Uh, but, you know, how can they be disciplined? How can they not beat themselves? How can they put points on the board at a higher level than they did last year? Uh, I know it all sounds very simple, uh, but it wasn't able to happen in 2022. So they got to figure out a way to do it in 23 uh, to be competitive because we know the ACC has got some teams, you know, North Carolina, Wake Forest, Clemson, uh, obviously not last year, but in years past, you can put points on the board. So you got to figure out a way to keep up.
1: Last question for you. What about the, the buzz around Dominic Blaylock? I mean, obviously at the University of Georgia, um, you know, injuries really just derailed his time at Georgia is he healthy is he looking good i mean what's kind of the prognosis for dominic blaylock is uh now he moves over to georgia tech
2: yeah i haven't to be quite honest haven't heard anything on his his health status but you know we got you know a month and a half still the opener now so we'll kind of check up on him when fall camp begins i think the biggest thing that dominique will provide obviously is a great locker room presence and a guy who's been there and seen it and played football at the highest level and seen football played at the highest level from the premier program in the country. So some of those intangibles, right, are going to be valuable coming into the locker room and um, not necessarily coming in and saying, hey, this is what we did at Georgia, but saying, hey, you know, this is how things are probably done the right way. This is how you get better. Um, and I think he's got you know, like got a new lease on life. Anytime you get a kid in who maybe, like you said, has been through some injuries and maybe hasn't performed at the level he's wanted to, you know they're going to be hungry. Uh, and going to provide a spark to that offense. So they're going to need him to do that because, again, got to find some guys who can put the ball in the end zone.
1: Georgia Tech's new beat writer, Chad Bishop, he writes for the AJC. AJC.com is where you can check out all of his work. Follow him on his personal Twitter page, at Mr. Chad Bishop. Chad, join me here on the waitforward.com hotline. Chad, really appreciate the time, buddy. Uh, we're going to be in touch uh, all season long and uh, look forward to talking with you through this football season. And uh, congratulations again on the new gig. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Look forward to talking to you all season. You got it. When we come back from the top of the hour, we will be time for the Falcons flyover. Bleacher Report regrades the Jesse Bates move, among other things, in the uh, NFL talk about that next. Chuck Green Key Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds?